which is actually kind of a, not the best way to express it, but because it actually is really fit, first impression team. So when you say fit team, you're saying team twice, but it sounds funny just saying fit, right? So, so we call it fit team, but first impression team, first impression team. So if you work as, I don't know if you have anybody that works the parking lot, a guy or two out in the parking lot. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. And then, um, do you have designated guest places, guest parking places? No. Okay. All right. That's another good good thing. We'll we'll talk about it. all right. But so, anybody that is involved in the parking team, greeter usher, even security team, and uh, anybody at all that is involved in that front line type of uh, work in the church, we put under the category of fit team, first impression team. And you'll see why as I get into my talk today, why we, why we call it that. Now I'm going to talk some general things, specifically for what we're, the, the, the group that we're addressing here today. Are you, are you also... Okay, so I'm, we might, why don't you maybe move over there since everybody seems to be on one side. So I'm going to aim my looks that way. Thank you. All right, so now we're just looking at this group. Okay, I'm going to move this over. All right, there we go. All right. <clears throat> so that's what this was going to be about. Now what the end, you know, not, not, not the end, but before we get to the end of my talk here, I have specifically kind of some, some, some things that describe the hostess or greeter role and the, and the usher role, some things to kind of be aware of and that you know, I consider part of your responsibilities, all right, part of your role. Now, they're, they're general, so they need to be kind of adapted to the way you guys do things here, your schedule, that kind of stuff. So when I speak of these things, when I talk about the usher and the greeter or, or hostess, I'm talking some, some general things, all right, and we'll, we'll hopefully be putting these things together through the months and so forth as we talk with your, your pastor and so forth. All right. Again, it's an honor to be here. Assistant, pastor, pastor, appreciate the invitation. Uh, so let's, let's begin. First question, do you guys have like badges or some symbol, something that you're wearing, identifying you as a greeter and an usher or a hostess and an usher? Okay. First thing I would strongly suggest is having something. I've got different types here that we've used through the, um, through the years. Magnetic ones are fine. They don't hurt blouses or shirts or anything like that. They're strong magnets. And whether it says greeter or hostess, simple to get uh, with a church logo on it, that kind of stuff. A greeter or an usher should definitely be clearly identified so that when people, guests come in, they know exactly that you're somebody that is an official. Okay, you're somebody that is in, a, in, in an official role. You're not just coming to them, talking to them. You're in an official capacity in the church. So we have used that. We have used, you know, this welcome home. A big thing with uh, First Apostolic Church of Maryville is we use that phrase, welcome home, you know, with, with everything. So here's the badge we used for a while with, with that. Uh, we still have that. Now we changed to, uh, we actually have even one now after this where you wear you know, you wear this and it says that uh, I'm, I'm here to help. Not real wild about that idea, but in, in its change, we have a different one now. 
But I think it's important to identify clearly the bottom line of what I'm getting at. It's not an expensive thing to do, but it, it puts you in the capacity of being someone of an official, in an official role. So usher or hostess, greeter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you're using male greeters, then you want to call it male greeter. You want to call it greeter, obviously. If you're using male, you don't want to call them hostesses. Or of course, you can call it host or hostess. So depending on what combination or, or you're using, we use all female greeters and hostesses, and we have all male uh, ushers, okay? And we have large teams of, of both of those. All right, so let me talk to you a little bit about the role of being on the fit team, first impression team. Keep that in mind, first impression team. <clears throat> Peter Drucker, a business writer, said efficiency is doing things right. Effectiveness is doing the right things. There's a difference. We are in the business of making disciples. Everybody understand that? Jesus Christ himself used the expression business. Wist ye not, I must be about my father's business. And obviously it wasn't a business enterprise to generate income. He was talking about it in a way I think we understand clearly that it is important work for the kingdom that we do. Okay, What we do is important work for the kingdom. I don't care what role you play in, in the church, but specifically, if you're on the fit team, that first line of people that when a guest walks through the door are the first ones they encounter, you are, you are in a very, very important role. Now, people may not remember the message when they come to our church service, they may not remember the message, but I will tell you what they do remember, and that is how you made them feel. That's what they remember, how you made them feel. Emotions run deep in people. It's what they connect with, all right? So they'll remember how you make them feel. So let me give you an example, kind of an overview. Uh, and I'll, I think I'll talk about this tomorrow in, in my talk tomorrow, but everybody, I mentioned it, briefly in our, in our session with the home Bible study, but I, as an, as an outreach minister in every church that I've been in, I never teach that there is like just superstar, uh, you know, soul winners. Even though we generally set up an outreach department for just organizational purposes, the, the thing that I don't like about the misunderstanding about an outreach department is that people begin to, in the congregation, begin to think that anything pertaining to soul winning is not my job, it's the outreach department. I'm a Sunday school teacher, I'm an usher, I'm a greeter. I don't work in the outreach department. Those are for the guys that are like zealots, you know, the, the fanatical ones that are bold and they go out there and knock doors and whatever, you know, that is in the mind of people that goes on in the outreach department, right? So. What actually should be taking place is an overall culture and mindset. I keep looking over that side of the congregation out of habit, and there's nobody there, Pastor. Uh, there's nobody, nobody is, uh, is isolated. Nobody is an island on their own. Nobody's a super soul winner. What we try to establish is a culture of evangelism, a culture of 
of, of understanding that everybody has a part in reaching a lost soul. Everybody. Any one of us at any time can blow it for a person who comes into the doors of this church uh, can, can, can totally blow their experience with ever finding God. It could happen at the front door. It could happen in the parking lot. It could happen in, in the men's bathroom. It could happen at the altar. It could happen at any, any, any point between any of those things that somebody gets a wrong first impression about heritage, apostolic, tabernacle, and they don't come back again. First impressions are lasting impressions. Now, what we're involved in, what we're involved in, 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 in church, what the church is about, and, you know, again, let me establish something. The church, when I mention church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the lively stones who comprise the gathering together when we meet in a building. That's the church. That's the church. We're, ch we're church. We're, we are the church. So when I talk about the church, when I talk about now that our, our role as the church is this. It's a, it's a repetitive cycle. And then I use the, an acronym called uh, ACE, the word ACE. Simple three-letter word, ACE. This is what we're involved in. It's a repeated process of attracting, connecting, and equip, equipping people. All right? So attracting, connecting, equipping. Everything that we do in the church should fall under one of those three categories. Whether it's the things that we do in marketing side, on the marketing side, on the outreach side, if you will, to attract people to come to the kingdom of God. And once they're here, getting them connected, those are separate type of ministries, connection ministries. And then there's equipping. Because our role as leaders, as, as ministry and so forth, is clearly laid out in Ephesians, the third chapter. We are all the gifts that are, that are given, uh, you know, right on through pastor, teacher, so forth, all of those things, evangelists, were given the five-fold ministry, were given to equip people to get them involved in the ministry, to get involved. And I'm not talking about licensed ministry. I'm talking about finding their role, finding their ministry in, in, the, in the work of the Lord. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a place, a calling, a purpose, a ministry. It's a matter of finding it and directing our attention there. Now, in uh, so attracting, connecting, and equipping. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. And Brother Greer, I'm so sorry I said I don't want anything up there. If you want to throw that scripture up there, you're more than welcome. I forgot I read some scriptures in this. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. If you don't have your Bible, it says, I have planted, Apollos watered. Of course, this is Paul talking. But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So there's planting, there's watering that goes on. We're all involved, but it's, it's all about God. God gives the increase. We don't change anybody's heart. We don't change anybody's life. We, we, we just do what we can to act in accord with, with the Lord, act in union with God to help people to re, uh, build a relationship with him. Now he that planteth, he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in to him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Here's the key. From whom 
the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Everybody is involved. Every joint is supplying something. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. And look at this. It says, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So when, when we look at this scripture, what we're seeing here is when we're all doing our role and functioning in, in unison, all taking part in our role, that, that is the way to organically grow the body of Christ. That's, that's, that's scriptural. Working together that way causes growth in the, in, in the body. Now, I use an example of a Detroit assembly line. Of course, it doesn't look like an automobile until the last few workstations. People are adding a little of this, a little of that part here, dropping an engine, putting, putting all the pieces together. It doesn't really start to take shape until the end. And so, and that's what it is. We're a, we're a, we're a disciple-making factory. That's the business we're in. If anybody asks what business we're in, we're in the business of making disciples. That's what, that's what the church is for, making disciples. And everybody has a little part of that assembly line. It is apparent that some, though, go about their task or ministry without an eye to what part their ministry plays in the big picture. See, I've talked to people before, and they'll, they'll say things like, oh, I, I'm just an usher, or, you know, I, I, I just teach Sunday school. Oh, what do you do at the church? Oh, I, you know, I, I, I just sing sometimes, you know. Or, it's always a just. I, I just. Every single person plays an important part to the overall presentation of this body to a guest, to a non-believer. Okay? And every ministry is important. We just have to recognize and understand where you fit in the big picture. Where do you fit in the mechanism? Okay? How, how does that look? That individual often underestimates the value their contribution makes to the whole. Okay? Now, if I were to ask the average person in, in the church uh, and, and say, hey, you know, what, what do you think our number one goal is for every guest that walks through the door? Our number one goal for every guest that walks through the door. The common answer, the first thing you maybe would think of, would be, oh man, that they find the Lord. Boy, they get a relationship with God just like I've got. Man, they find truth. You know, that's, that's our goal, boy, we find truth. That should not be our goal. Now, you know, it's our ultimate goal, yes. We all want to see that. But here, here is, here's the issue. We have, not, again, he's the Lord of the harvest. He alone converts the heart of man. We don't do that. So we have to recognize what part we can do and what he wants us to do. So really, the way we need to be thinking is our number one goal for every person that walks through that door. And I say guest, but this is for everyone because sometimes we need to recognize each other also in a respectful, courteous, loving way when all of us come together through the door because we're a family, right? But our number one goal for everybody that walks through those doors of the church is very, very simple. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Here's our number one goal, that they come back again. That's it. 
the more they come back, the more likely they will get a relationship with God, which means that our function as the first impression team is to make sure they have a wonderful experience every visit. That there's nothing that they could possibly look to that gave them a bad impression to cause them to think twice about coming back again. Because our goal is that they come back again every time they're here. It's that way for the guest. It's that way for the saint, that they come back again. We don't want to lose anybody. All right. Now, I mentioned this again with, with the, uh, in the context of home Bible studies, and I always have to say this. It's easy to teach the mechanics or the how-tos of any ministry. I have folders here with things talking about the usher role and the hostess role. The easiest part of my presentation today is giving you these things and going over them quickly. That's the easiest part. Again, the more difficult part is for us to understand that anything we do, this as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, coming from the business world and sales world is true, but more so for the house of God, that anything that is worth doing is worth doing to the very best of our ability and with excellence. People can tell when they walk into an establishment whether there is excellent organization, whether there's an enthusiasm and a passion and that the people that are there believe in what is going on in that establishment. Those are keys to drawing people, keeping people knowing that they sense the passion and the excellence that we go about exactly what our role is. Okay? Everybody with me? All right. Very simple. So, we may have a real skill, an ability, a talent, or a gift. One soldier may be a, 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 a sharpshooter, a real good sharpshooter. One may have great tactical skills in the field. Another may be a munitions expert. But when the day of battle comes, talents and gifts mean nothing if there is not first a commitment. Okay? You don't want to be in the field with somebody who has great skills, but no real commitment that you can count on. Okay? So, for me... If I'm heading up anything at all, the very first thing that I look for is faithfulness and commitment far above talent and skill. Because a committed person has a teachable spirit. A committed person wants to get the job done. A committed person is committed to that cause, to that situation. So commitment far, far exceeds any talent that you can, that you can come up with. In 1 Kings 10, 4, and 9, we're familiar with the, the story of when Queen of Sheba had traveled all that distance to come and see Solomon's kingdom and Solomon's wisdom. And the house that he had built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers, their apparel, the cupbearers, his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. And it says that when she saw that, there was no more spirit left in her. In our language, it would mean, man, it just blew me away. Man, what I saw when I went to that place, Heritage Apostolic, 
it blew me away, man. Those people have it together. That's what we want to be said. That's what we want to be said. She said it was a true report. Happy are thy men. Listen. Happy are these thy servants which stand continuously before thee and hear thy wisdom. Now happy, there's a difference between happy, brother, and when I'm, if, I'm a, if I'm an usher and you come in the door and I'm like, praise the Lord, brother. You understand? Happy are thy people. Happy are thy servants. Showing that, how many have ever been to FAC Maryville? Do you pick up anything when you walk in the door of FAC Maryville? So I'm talking about the attitude of the people, the greeters, the, 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 the ushers there and so forth. Pardon me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely upbeat. Definitely upbeat. And that's what you want to feel, that, that pre-service atmosphere. When, when, when you walk through the door, people know, wow, this is a happening place. There's something. Um, um, they begin to anticipate what they're going to experience. Now, you know, I've been to a lot of churches for in, uh, especially the last couple of years. But through the years, I've been to a lot of churches. And I'm going to tell you, not every church, when you walk in, has a friendly, welcoming environment. Believe me when I tell you that. And because of that, many people get very jaded and begin to think that we're phonies. That what we're saying goes on in the church isn't really true because it doesn't seem to be transferring to the people. Ministry is excited. Worship team can get excited. Some, I've been to churches where even the worship team wasn't excited. I'm being very honest with you. So, these little things make a big difference. These little things make a huge, huge difference. If you want to attract and grow people, we need to recognize the importance of what we do. What it, how, what it speaks, what it speaks to people. All right. Um, we represent the kingdom of God first. We represent the pastor and the assistant pastor of this congregation secondly. Now listen to what I'm going to say. How we are perceived by our guests has a direct correlation to their opinion of what is taught here, what is accepted here, the quality of the pastorate and the leadership of this church. All of that is what's being, read, is registering and being thought about and evaluated in the minds of people when they walk through the door. It's just like walking into a, a, you know, a, a restaurant. Somebody hears all this stuff about how great a restaurant is. You know, and, and, they, and they walk in and, and, and the place doesn't smell right. Uh, the entrance is filthy. They're standing there waiting for somebody to come help them seat. And there, you know, a couple of waitresses talking in the back, you know. And, and you know, you, you're there. You've got you, you, your wife. You're on a special night. You heard it. You heard it was a good place. You know, they, they charge a pretty good, pretty good bit. And then she comes sauntering up, you know, and she doesn't have a great attitude. And seats you somewhere where it's not, you're not comfortable being seated, you know. And uh, the whole ambiance of the place doesn't match the reputation of the, the food they supposedly serve. And you, you begin to sense that something's not, something's not quite the way you heard the stories about it. Right? 
Now, you may stay, you may finish your meal, but I'll guarantee it's not likely that you're going to come back to that place, especially if it was a more expensive type of a restaurant. Right? So we have to, we have to make sure that the message that each one of us are speaking with our actions and with our spirit are the, is the message that we want that aligns with the culture of what we're trying to accomplish at Heritage Apostolic Tabernacle. It's all got, it's all got to align. It is said that there is only about a 5% difference, for example, in the NFL between the very best team, the Super Bowl team, and the very last team. 5% difference in talent, they say, in actual talent on those teams. What makes the difference is the winning team, they do the little things right that the losing team refuses to do or doesn't know to do. That makes the difference. That's why coaches get all swapped around and a lot of credit has to be given to coaches who know how to put all that together and push and get the very best out of their players by teaching them the little things that matter. Vince Lombardi, if you're a football fan, years ago was noted for doing the same repetitive thing every year with the rookies and with the veterans. He would hold a football and he would say at the beginning of practice, gentlemen, this is a football. That's how it start. Because they were going to go through all the basic fundamentals over and over that so many assume they have right and never quite get right. And those fundamentals, the little things, it was, is what makes the difference. It's what makes the difference in being average and being great, the little things. So we don't want to look at a greeter or an usher job as just some small task that needs to be done. Why are you doing this? Well, you know, pastor asked me, he said they need, they need an usher, you know. The pastor asked me, so I'm going to do this. You know. That's not the way we want to do it. It's not the spirit we want to have about it. It's ditto for the, for the greeters. It's all in the mindset. It's all in the mindset. Always keeping the big picture in mind. My father-in-law, Larry Fleming, he passed away earlier this year. Um, he was uh, Debbie's stepfather for about 40 years. He was not her real father, but uh, uh, he married. In fact, I, Debbie and I got married before he did, and then six months later, he married Debbie's mother because I kind of put them together. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. But anyway, that aside, Larry Fleming was just uh, an, an Ohio Buckeye came from a family back in depression years of 13 siblings, big family. Loving guy, humble, down to earth as you could get. His entire role, all his years in church, 40 plus years, his entire role in church was he was an usher and then he became the head usher. Now, from that usher role, when he passed away, 
when he passed away, that church probably had, I don't know, 400 people that came to his funeral because Larry Fleming, from an usher role at that front door with that sincere love, hug, smile, willingness to do whatever needed to be done, he affected so many lives. Because, see, here's the other thing. He wasn't even an educated man, never finished high school. But he sat in on every one of my home Bible study presentations, every training sessions. I used to train monthly, fine-tuning, fine-tuning, training monthly, practicing with people, giving the lessons and so forth. He sat in on everyone, even when I was working in different churches, they would come to my home Bible study seminars, Deb's mom and Brother Fleming. The guy won as many or more people to the Lord through home Bible study than I did through the years. Loving people, teaching people that nobody would even barely want to teach because they might have some issues in their life and so forth. All from an usher role, never a minister, just a man standing there with a servant's heart wanting to give, wanting to love, wanting to reach lost souls. You can not misunderstand or underestimate the power and the influence that you can wield from whatever role you play in the kingdom of God. That genuineness, that sincerity, that love for people has such a rippling, rippling effect. Somebody was in need, Brother Fleming was the one with an ear to recognize it and would quietly walk around, hey, this family needs groceries this week. Can you, can you give $10? Can you give 20 Can you give 2 Just quietly in the background, always making sure that the down and outers didn't stay down and out. Somebody needed to ride to church. Brother Fleming bought a van just to be able to drive people all the way from Miami Beach to church that he taught a Bible study. <clears throat> Tremendous example of a servant's heart. But all he ever did in church, oh, he was just an usher. He was just an usher. It's all in the mindset. It's all in the mindset. First impressions are lasting impressions. <clears throat> Greeters and ushers are the first ones to welcome, to guide, to assist, to answer questions, to introduce, to smile. The first ones, first impressions. Study from the Barna Institute. Studies have shown that those that visit a church once, 10% are likely to become members. Of those that visit twice, 25% likelihood of becoming members. By the third visit, 45% likelihood of them becoming members. So that's why our number one goal for everybody that walks through that door is just simply that they come back again. That they come back again. Scripture tells us to be wise stewards. A steward is one who manages the properties or affairs of another 
that he does not own. It's the Lord's, the Lord's people. It's the Lord's guests. It's the Lord's, the Lord's saints. Don Stevenson, president of the Global Hospitality Group, said the most important people in the hotel business are the ones who are out front meeting the customer. People join a friendly church. In fact, friendliness is often the most important factor in a person's decision to join a church. Rating above attractive facilities, good location, excellent programs, and good preaching. Why is friendliness so important? Because people want to be wanted. We want to be noticed, to have friends who enjoy our company. When we come to a place where no one seems to notice or to reach out in friendship, we get the message that we aren't wanted and we usually won't return. Those who value warmth in relationships desire to be a part of a church where such relationships are present. Now, personal note, I've walked in churches that feel like a family and friendly environment, and then I've walked in those that just feel like a group of people just coexisting. Okay? Two extremes. Now, sometimes we think that and we judge ourselves a friendly church because, see, we're friendly with each other. We have existing relationships. We have family in the church. We have friends, you know. And so you can say, oh, man, it's a friendly church. Look, they fellowship together. They're hugging on each other's necks and so forth. The real test of that is how a guest feels when they walk in. Do they feel it's a friendly church? I'm th- you can look and say, they seem like they really like each other. That's fine. They seem friendly. But are they being friendly with people they don't know? Are they purposely, intentionally looking after guests that come, knowing the discomfort and the intimidation that it is for the average person to walk into a large group of people that they do not know and sit there not knowing what's going to happen? Do we add to that fear and discomfort or do we allay that fear and discomfort? It's all in a matter of how we treat them at that point. And these are things that can help or hinder them coming back again. So <clears throat> our focus needs to be on the processes, not the results. The steps of exactly what we're doing, not the result, the end result we're looking for. The end result will take place because when the processes are being operated correctly, the end result is automatic. And that end result is out of our hands. The processes, though, are in our hands and are doing and in our potential. Let me read you this little survey that was done. Now, first of all, surveys are done, and this is my outreach side now that I want to talk to you. Big survey was done years ago. What, we're in the political season right now, and you know, you hear, the, oh, you know, here's the survey. They said this guy's ahead by this much, whatever. You know, all this kind of stuff. Those surveys sample usually anywhere from 100 to 150 people. That's it. That's all they survey in those surveys that you hear, political surveys. This survey was 8,000 people, which is considered a very large sampling. Okay, 8,000 people. 
in churches, all different denominations. <clears throat> and what it said basically was they asked them, why are you in the church that you're in today? Why are you there? Why are you there? And they go into different things like, well, you know, the, uh, the pastor was very well known, very charismatic pastor, and that's why I went. And uh, that was a certain percentage. And uh, there's, they had a good children's ministry, the Sunday school. I wanted my children to be in a good children's ministry, and that was a part of it. And uh, convenience was a part of it. You know, it was their denomination, and it was close. So the convenience, that was a certain percentage of the reasons why. And here's one that two, two, two answers are striking to me. Striking. Less than one-tenth of one percent said that they were in the church that they were in because of an evangelistic effort. The reason being is because, again, it's cold turkey evangelism that has nothing to do, for the most part, with a relationship. Cold turkey evangelism. However, here was the answer of 86% of the people. Again, the question was, why are you in the church you're in today? 86% answered they were there because of another acronym, four letters, FRAN. Friend, relative, associate, neighbor. It's all about relationship. Relationship. There was already a pre-existing relationship that got them there. That's why they were there. Okay? So that's why we focus, I focus, on uh, that uh, lifestyle evangelism. Our circle of influence is the ripest soul-winning field we've got. Cold turkey evangelism, you may, one out of a thousand, run into somebody a stranger in a park you hand a tract to and say, hey, Jesus loves you, you know. Cold turkey evangelism with no relationship. But where we're going to, the right pool, the right pool is those we've already got some relationship with. Somebody in our circle of influence, a friend, a relative, a business associate, work associate, or a fellow employee, a neighbor. That's why people come to church. Relationship. So, here, here is the survey that I want to get to. The um, question was asked here uh, uh, about, and I don't even have the question here, but the question here was related to why people come back after visiting a church, why they came back, okay? That's the question. Why did you come back after visiting the first time? And I'm going to go from reverse order. The third reason, the second reason, the number one reason. Okay? And listen. Number three reason why they came back for the second visit. Why they came back for the second visit. First, first time visit was for uh, uh, the, the friend, because of friend, relative, associate, neighbor. But why did they come back for the second visit is the question. So the third answer was they developed a relationship with God. That was number three. The third reason. You would think that would be number one, right? I came back because I developed a relationship with God. That was the third reason why they came back. The number two reason was that continued 
influence of that friend, friend, relative, associate, neighbor, that continued influence of that, of that relationship. But the number one reason cited for why they came back for their second visit, number one reason, the way they were treated on their previous visit. That was it. The way they were treated on their previous visit is why they came back again. John Maxwell said this, a guest is the most important person that attends church on Sunday. Their attendance has been motivated by a friend or a deep need. They bring hurts, questions, apprehensions. They look for warmth, acceptance, and smiles. When they receive these things, they will return. When they return, they will find God. Amen. Now, everybody with me so far? Everything good? All right. A few more things here that I want to hand out, these hostess and usher things. And again, these are general. You've got to fine-tune it for your congregation. Uh, but here's 12 things that church guests wished we knew. 12 things church guests wish we knew. Okay, first thing for us to know and understand is that they are anxious. When a guest comes here, they're on a blind date with your church. Their anxiety levels go up during a visit. They don't know your worship songs. They don't know how to dress to fit into our culture. They don't know sometimes if you don't have good signage, even where to go in the building. They're just unsure when they walk in the door. So they're, they're anxious. Number two, they are mentally evaluating everything. They're mentally evaluating everything. Number three, and for obvious reasons, they feel like outsiders. Because right now they are outsiders, right? So we have to make them feel welcome to the family. Just like you have a son or a daughter, and they're in college, and man, they bring a friend home. Right? Now here's your big family. You might have six people in your family. Here's this guy or girl from, from college <clears throat> with your uh, son or daughter. How are you going to make them feel, right? They feel like outsiders. They're hopeful. Number four, they're hopeful. They want to like your church. They really do. They hope they'll be accepted and their kids will have a good experience. Number five, they really don't want to be identified. Now, this we got to watch because um, when they talk about not wanting to be identified, and I don't know your, your custom here, but usually... Yes, don't like to be like you're, you're in the service and having them stand and that kind of stuff like that. I mean, you can call the name, you can welcome them, look that way, but they don't like, like necessarily be pointed out or especially to say anything. They definitely don't want to say anything. You know? okay. So they don't really want to be highlighted, that sort of thing. Now, number six, and this goes to your Sunday school and your child care, they are heavily families. If you've got children, if they have children, they are heavily influenced by their kids' experiences at church. Just like a parent, your kid comes home from school, you generally ask them, hey, how was school today? Well, that's the same thing that goes on with the parents of the Sunday school. What would you think of the Sunday school? What would they do? How do you like it? Well, if that child feels isolated and not responded to in that classroom or unloving teachers or just business as usual and not going overboard, with that class, overboard with love, just like we're talking about that 
overflowing, everything we do, overflowing that makes a difference, that extra mile, they're going to tell their parents that. And that can influence whether they come back or not. The parents are not going to stick their kids in some classroom that, that the kids don't like. They're just not. They're not going to make them do that. Number seven, they are going to take their time to join the church. This is things, talking 12 things, church guests wished we knew. So in other words, we don't want to push them too quickly. Number eight, their first impression of the church is hard to overcome if it's negative. And here's, here's another one that I want to mention to the greeters and, and the ushers. Their final impression of the church is hard to overcome if it's negative. There's definitely nothing wrong with ushers standing at the back door, opening the door for people as they leave and greeting them, saying, I can't wait to see you next time. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night, whatever. Hope you enjoyed the service. Anything I can do for you? Nothing wrong with that at all. Greeters, you know, we greet them here. We can, man, we can make them meet with a good feeling. Good feeling. So the final impression of the church is hard to overcome if it's negative. Number 10, they have many other options besides your church. That's what guests want us to know. Hey, you know, you're not the only church in town. Here's one I love too. Number 11, the church doesn't get bonus points for being friendly. <laughs> if you have a friendly church, that's great. You don't get extra points for that. Guests expect us to be friendly. <clears throat> what they really want to know is, can I make friends at your church? And finally, number 12, being a guest is an awkward experience you've probably forgotten about. Now, for some of you that have been raised in the church, you may not recognize the, uh, the, uh, the dilemma or the feeling, the anxiousness that can come, that can come from uh, walking into a church for the first time. Uh, you know, we're running, I don't know, 6, 650 now, uh, in, in Maryville, and it's become a whole different dynamic when people walk into a church that size. It can be pretty, pretty intimidating. And so we have to use different methods and tools to make sure that we, we make them feel very comfortable in that environment. You know, and there's several ways we, we use to do that. But uh, so it, it is intimidating for people. Uh, I'm going to hand out now, we'll just go over these quickly. And again, these are general. You may, you may not do all these, but this is to give you, give you some idea here. Hostess and, um, and here is uh, usher, okay? Hostess and usher, so you know who is who. <clears throat> any questions so far? Anything, any comment, question, anything? All right. Everybody good? Okay. So we'll look at hostesses first. All right. Now this is general stuff that I that I typically teach. We do 
you know, all of these and more at FAC. We do some things at FAC that isn't always relevant for, for everybody. So I try to just trim it to the basic main, main things here in talking, <clears throat> in talking about hostesses. So let's just take a quick, a quick look here. Um, arrive 30 minutes before service and then stay in the lobby at least 20 to 25 minutes after service begins because a lot of times people will walk through the doors late. Now, you can adjust these times. I don't know what your, your time schedule is. Now, at FAC, at FAC, anything, any role that you play in doing anything at FAC from mowing the lawn, usher, greeter, media booth, uh, uh, you know, Sunday school teacher, choir member, we've got 150 choir members, 160. Uh, anything at all that you do, anything at all you do, first of all, you're considered to be on staff when you do that. You're part of staff. And also, all staff must come to pre-service prayer. Okay? Because you've got to have some prayer time before you're then going about your role and meeting people. So that's, that's our requirement. I don't know how you do here, but that's part of the reason of arriving. You know, you should be on your post 30 minutes before. Now, if you have pre-service prayer, uh, then, I mean, even if you prayed 15 minutes before, you might want to be here 45 minutes ahead to get your spirit right, to have a little time of prayer together, even if it's just the ushers, even if the, it's just the fit team meeting together. But we should not be meeting the public without making sure the Holy Ghost is alive and well in us and, uh, you know, we're, we're prayed and we're ready. Really shouldn't. Be sure to have a monthly schedule. I would assume you have, a, uh, you know, captains over the greeters and over the ushers and uh, they put out a monthly schedule. So be sure you know where you are, uh, your service time is. Be sure to notify your team captain as far in advance as possible if you're not able to be at your scheduled post. <clears throat> I, um, were, I was over all of the fit team while I was on staff at First Apostolic Church when I first got everything set up there and was doing a lot of training there and so forth. So I was over uh, for a good while all of, all of the fit team, all the activity of the fit team and made up the schedules and all. And nothing is more, you know, just uh, irritating, if I can put it that way, then, you know, I'm driving to church and I start getting a text or a phone call for somebody that can't make it. And it's like, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me this? Or somebody saying, oh, I forgot, I forgot to let you know I'm on vacation, you know. Now, you know when you have a vacation. If you're, looking at, you're on vacation and you're looking at the schedule and you see you're not going to be there, the time to do it is not when I'm on my way to church on Sunday morning to let me know, right? Common sense, common courtesy. Something that we would do, you would be required to do in your place of employment. And if we don't take the work that we do for the house of God at least as seriously and respectfully we do for our place of employment, then I'll be very frank with you, we probably ought not be working in the kingdom of God until we get that worked out. If I can say that without hurting anybody's feelings, but that's a fact. So it's common courtesy when you're working on a team, that you make sure you keep your team leader apprised because it's not always the easiest thing to do to schedule a lot of people in the time slots, all right? Be sure to have your, uh, your badge on, 
that line is there to fill in your church name. <clears throat> so whatever, you know, badges you may be getting or something like that, be sure to have that on that you're identified, you're at your post, you're identified in what you're, what you're doing, what your role is, so people know who to look to. Be on time to your post. When you're on schedule, please be on time. Now I put here, this is for future. <clears throat> please familiar, familiarize yourself with all the e-forms you use and know their purpose. And I'll get into this. Uh, I'll see if brother, uh, you know, your, your leadership here is interested in this. But everything that, that, that we use, we don't use any paper forms. We use iPads. We use large format iPhones for everything. And I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about, brother uh, uh, Thornburg and brother Purdue. I'll show you what I'm talking about with these and also brother, brother Hardy. Uh, but everything that we do is on our iPad. It's, it's, it's an e-form. Everything from our guest form to prayer requests to hospital visitation. <clears throat> Every form in the church is that way because it's just the up-to-date way to do it, number one. But number two is as soon as you hit send, rather than the, a, a paper form laying around somewhere and getting lost, as soon as you hit send, these forms have the ability to direct them to as many emails as you want to who would be relevant in that loop that needs to have them to do what needs to be done with them. It's a very efficient way of handling all guest information and so forth and all information to update database with and, and just everything. So I'll, I'll introduce that to them and show them how that works. But so anyway, save that for down the road. Um, I don't know if you guys use guest gifts. We do. Be sure to have guest gifts and any special handouts ready when you're on post. Talking to the, the hostesses now. <clears throat> guest gifts. Make sure all that stuff is all ready before, before service when you're, when you're starting your post. This is the way we do it. Uh, obviously, just like I talked about with the Bible study, smell good. Use breath mints. You're going to be meeting the public. Not a good habit to be chewing gum. It just looks awful. People walking in the door, you know what I'm saying, and you're, you're chewing gum. You want to be neatly groomed, professionally dressed, you know. Have, you need to exemplify what, what the church teaches for holiness. Shoes shined, looking, looking the part. You want to look smart, look, look good, look sharp. Have a pleasant smile. Somebody, and I... Teach them stuff on people skills. I don't have time this, uh, this time through to be teaching people skills. But <clears throat> um, somebody that is smiling is somebody that is much more approachable and welcoming than somebody with a frown. Body language, facial expressions speaks volumes to people. Speaks volumes to people. That's why mothers know how to give the evil eye to their children. They know facial expressions will get them moving when necessary. All right. Be ready to inform the guest of where classes are for children, where the bathrooms are, familiarizing them with the campus. That's why it's so important to have good, clear, bright signage. People find stuff easy, but you can kind of let them know. Hey, if you all need a bathroom or something, our bathrooms are right up the hall. 
they have children. Now, we use, when, when somebody comes with children, we use some of our young people hostesses, our young, our, from, the, from our youth group, getting them, getting them trained. We use them to then bring the children with the parent to the classroom. We'd never just tell the greeter or have the greeter say, what's well, right down the hall, turn left, that's where the classrooms are. We always want to bring them, bring them. You know, there's a big difference when I walk into, sometimes I'll walk into, let's say, like a Lowe's or Home Depot, and I'm looking for something, not finding it, and I'll ask, or even a grocery store, ask, ask somebody. You know, you have some clerks that'll just say, aisle 13 or something. And then you have some that'll walk and say, come here, I'll take you to them. And they'll take you right to it on the shelf and make sure you're getting what you're looking for. Everybody know the difference in those two now and how that makes you feel. Right away you say, well, I appreciate that. Your respect level goes up immediately for the guy that's walking with you there and finding the part you want. Not just saying, yeah, it's right down there, aisle 13, buddy. You know, Right? So we walk with them to the classroom. We, we accompany them. There's more reasons for that than one. When you get to e-forms, I'll explain that that to you of what can go what goes on there. Um, avoid excessive conversation with your workmate and other friends and saints. <clears throat> I've walked in situations before where, uh, uh, and this this all comes in training. You know, this is not a not a big issue with FAC, but there still is those times at FAC when I was <clears throat> over the fit team, and so I was running around keeping an eye on everything that I would see, you know, you know, a guest there or somebody there that should be being attended to and two or three of the hostesses are sitting there, they're talking, you know, that kind of thing. Or an usher, you know, right? So they're talking with a friend, you know. When you're on, when you're on duty, you're on duty, you know. You're there to do a job. You've got to focus and do, do your very best. Fellowship can come later, you know. Am I being too harsh? <laughs> I'm so mean. Uh, now here's one we need to appear pro approachable and interested in our guests we, we need to appear approachable and interested in our guests as a matter of fact we need to be the one well I've got it further down there so I'll hit it all right now but we're the, we need to be the ones to approach the guest and initiate conversation you ever been in a room you go somewhere or something like that and, you know, you come into the room, and so, you know, there's always this kind of situation, you know, and it's like, it's like that way with preachers and all, too. You know, you'll come into the room, and some of them can be very, very friendly. They come over to you, hey, brother, you know, how you doing? But some of them, boy, I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not even going to look at you until you come over, and you, and, you know, you come to them and shake their hand. Now, you know, these are, these are preachers, right? These are ministers. You know what I'm saying, you know? So, and, and, and people do that. Now, my Lord. And, you know, and I'll go a step further. Man, you know, I have been in churches that, you know, the, the, the greeter will be standing there looking. And unless I would come over to that greeter, introduce myself, boy, they don't come to me. They, they don't come. Same thing with usher in churches. Man, I mean, we have got to be the one to go, be going out there. That's the whole idea of the hostess, a greeter, and, and, and the usher. You know, in these roles, I mean, being that one, you're welcoming people here, making them feel like you honestly are welcoming them, appreciate them coming, 
Hey, brother, how are you this week? So good to see you again. You know, welcome. Hey, let me introduce you to one of our hostesses, Usher I'm talking about, see? Let me introduce you. One, if you recognize a, a, a person that may be here for the first time, the more, I will tell you this, it's good to get real familiar, real familiar with your, with your folks. Because as you grow, one of the challenges become, becomes recognizing, you know, a first-time guest again. Believe me, believe Debbie was one of our greeters for many, many, many years. And as we grew to around 6650, it gets real hard, you know, identifying first-time guests. It's a challenge, right? So, so it get, get to know the people that are coming and they're, and they're uh, you know, get, get familiar with it. But, but initiate, you know, be, be friendly. Be, be the one outgoing, not, well, I'm an usher. If they need my help, they can come and see me. They see me, I got my badge on, I'm an usher, you know, so. That's not, that's not our role. Um, be familiar with our campus. Again, we're there. We'd have to familiarize folks with our campus. I mentioned that. Be familiar with upcoming events. This is some of the things that a greeter, a good greeter will do. You know, we talk about, well, what do you talk to a guest about and stuff like that? Well, you're futuring them. You're letting them know, hey, you know, so you got some kids. Man, we've got a, you know, children's revival coming up in May. You know, you might want to be aware of that. I'll be sure to get you a flyer for it. You know, uh, <clears throat> that's a good reason to get their email and phone number. We'll keep you informed of different things that are coming up, you know. Let them know, know what is that. Hey, next week we've got an evangelist coming. You won't want to miss this guy. You know, that sort of thing. What, 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 whatever's going on. Be familiar with upcoming events. And then I already mentioned approach the guest, initiate conversation. <clears throat> you want to bring the guest to the reception desk. <clears throat> and again, this has to do with the form, but do not start filling out the guest form in the middle of the walkways. All right. Um, now, again, I don't know how you guys are doing it now, using physical forms right now for guests. Okay. Do they go to the Welcome Center for that? Okay. So right now, what your, the greeters that are doing, you should be bringing them to, talking to them along the way and introducing them, getting their name, and then introducing them to the people who are behind the welcome desk so that they can then begin to get that information from them, give them the gift, if that's what you're doing, give them the gifts, and then... And whether, I don't know whether you have the ushers do it or a greeter, but they should not be just sent off from there to go seat themselves in the congregation. They should be walked in and seated. Even if they come late, <clears throat> it's even more difficult for them. If they know they're late, the service is going on, people are there. The best way, the most least intimidating for them is for that usher or the greeter, whichever one's doing it, to walk them down to their seat and make sure that they have a seat and, and show them to the seat. And you should be sitting guests by those people. You guys, you know, you learn the people in your con congregation. You should be sitting them down by people who are going to be friendly to them. You know, make sure that you're, you're the one that's designating where they're going to be sitting. So they should be sitting near people who are going to be conversant with them. We'll be talking about that tomorrow in the, when I talk about how a congregation can be a soul-winning congregation. Again, talking about some of these, these little things, but <clears throat> everybody needs to be loving on those guests. Everybody does. They need to have an over-the-top experience at Heritage. Not just from the greeters. Now, it even goes to those that you seat them with. 
seat them with. So seat them strategically. All right. Now, this is for the hostesses. <clears throat> this is just a sample. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me see what I have on the back here. Yeah. This is a, uh, uh, this is just some other things on the back here and getting set up. This is for like your reception desk area. And this is what we're, we, we work with. You know, have the guest gifts, et cetera, laid out and easily accessible. Be sure there are plenty of church cards in the holders. If you have church cards or whatever you use that people can take for the, for the church. <clears throat> Keep the reception desk area neat and uncluttered. Always greet guests by name. Always greet the guests by, by the, their name. Now, though, I want to go to the script here. This is a basic script, first of all, when meeting a guest. And this is just first-time guest. This is just suggestion. This is just if you're, if you're, uh, if you're looking for a way to do it uh, smoothly rather than just shooting from the hip. Some people are good that way. That's fine. If you're comfortable with what you're saying and it's working, great. Don't use the script. This is just a script that we use when people want a script. And this is basically high. If you know their name, use it. Now, with the way we do it at FAC, we have, a, uh, we have parking lot attendants, right? And so we have, we have designated spaces. We also have valet parking for our elderly and those that, and, you know, that, are, that need uh, parking, you know, that they may have wheelchair or whatever. So we have valet parking for one section. But for the regular people, there's a, we have a sign right in the entrance to our parking lot. And, he's, and the guy is standing there and is saying uh, that uh, uh, guests, if you're, if you're a guest, please stop to get your uh, parking pass, you know, uh, a parking pass. And so they'll stop. And what he'll write on that pass, it's a two-part little parking pass. <clears throat> and um, he'll... Um, He'll write their name on there. He'll ask them their name. Hey, you know, I'm such and such, you know, and what, what is your name? What's the family name? And they'll say, you know, Smiths, whatever. And they'll write that on there if he gets whatever name he gets. They write that on there. And they have, they're on radios. They're all, they're all on radios. And so he'll send him up. He said, you go down to the left, you'll see signs, and, and the guy will park you. Just, just go down there. They'll, they'll park you. And so there's a, a parking lot attendant there that will direct them in. He's already talking to the guy on the radio saying, hey, the guy's coming in a, you know, a Buick or whatever, blue Buick, and, you know, and their name is Smith. And so now he knows their name. So now, from that point forward, everybody that touches them, that meets them, already knows their name when they greet them. He'll come and, he'll come and meet them, help them open the door. <clears throat> if they need anything to be carried or anything or help them to get out of the car and everything and walks them to the door of the church to, to, to meet, introduce them to a greeter. He's meeting them, greeting them by name introduces them then to the usher, to the greeter, by name. But by the time they come to the reception desk, their name has been used already three or four times, two or three times, three or four times, depending on whether they hit an usher and a greeter before then. So when they get to the reception desk, that's why I have it there where it said, hi, they should know the name by then. They're on radios at the reception desk. They, they know, know the name. And it's a big thing with people. People love that. They're like amazed, like, wow, you know. The way the, the system, they, they love that system. So then, so we're saying, hi, Mr. Smith, welcome to FAC, for example. My name is, <clears throat> my name is Art. Now, normally when they'll do that, obviously most people say, okay, I'm Bob. You know, you don't have to ask them, what's your name? You know, you, it's just normal things. Hey, I'm, I'm Art, so good to have you. They're going to say, hey, I'm Bob, you know, good to be here, whatever. So, but if not, if they're the type that doesn't, then you can ask them their name and say, what, what was your name? You know. 
you can ask their name. So it's so nice to meet you. What brings you to Heritage today? Well, they could say it's a guest. They could say they saw an ad. They could say they've been passing by for several months and decided to stop in. Whatever the reason, you're logging it as a greeter. Because in our e-forms, it has a little section there for you to be taking these notes down. You're taking these notes. you got the iPad or the iPhone. And they're noting what brought them and so forth, what they pick up from them, so that in our next approach to them, we have, uh, uh, you know, ideally a little information about them, you know. And of course, if they're there, <clears throat> they have a friend there or something, we're going to make sure that they connect with that friend there and are seated with them. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get that friend. So what brings you? Do you live in the area? We always want to ask that because especially, I don't know how it is here, but at FAC, we're in a vacation city, so we get a lot of out-of-town guests because of the, the Smoky Mountains and Sevierville and all that, you know, Gatlinburg. So we have to identify because an out-of-town guest, obviously, we handle differently than an in-town in -town guest, right? So we have to identify that. So, and I put there, be listening carefully to all the information they're telling you while talking with them, be working, walking them to the reception desk or, or podium. It depends on if you have a desk or a podium. And then we're asking them, hey, hey, Bob, let me get a few simple pieces of information from you if you don't mind. Our pastoral staff likes to be able to personally greet all of our guests. And also we have a gift for you, you know. So, and then we're asking very, very basic information at that time. A name, if they'll give us a phone number or a cell phone. You'd have to, again, I'll show you the, the e-forms that we use. But it, it tells them on there. If you're not comfortable with this, you know, whatever. We try to get what information we, uh, we can from them for, for, the, for the database. And then after they get the information, we present them to the gifts. Present them with the gifts. And then bring the guests to the hostess that will seat them. Or if it's your assignment, then you seat the guests. If they know someone, you know, at your church or have a family member, be sure to locate and seat with that person, obviously. Your conversation with the guests at this point should be familiarizing them with our facility, informing them of upcoming events that would love to have them attend. So you're walking with them. You're letting them know, hey, if you guys need a bathroom, the bathrooms are over here. Uh, we have a coffee shop, you know, after service, like to be, and we give free certificate for coffee for the coffee shop as one of our gifts. And um, uh, just different things about that they mean, may need to know about the, uh, the, uh, layout of the layout of the campus, layout of your church and so forth, okay? <clears throat> yes? I'm sorry? You know, I hear, I, hear, I hear both ways about that. I'm all for just using first name. When I'm introduced to somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to somebody, I don't use brother anything. I use first name. Is that what you're talking about there? Yeah, exactly. So, again, that's all up to your culture and how you, how you want to do that. I don't want to upset anybody's culture. I just prefer using names, right? Okay. The great apostle Paul was called Paul, right? For the most part, you know. So you guys are more into that, you know, that way of breaking the breaking away with the brother and sister. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I'm introducing them to somebody in the congregation, I do not introduce them to brother or sister. 
I'll say, hey, here's a friend of mine, Dwayne Orr, for example, or something like that, or as in like brother Dwayne Orr. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I dropped that then. But I get to the brother and sister as far as respect. You know, we're, we, you know, there's that relationship and association, but not with guests, right? Not with new people, not with guests. I agree. You know. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. No, I agree. I agree. No, I, I'm definitely just, I'm first name person. First name person. All right. Um, and then just finally here, if in conversation with them, they mention anything that you would feel be important, please make a note. This is for uh, when you're using the e-forms. Please make a note on the e-form before you hit send. Okay. All right. And now one more just quick. I don't want to keep us too long here. I'm trying to run through this stuff quickly. This is on the back here. This is just a real quick idea. Sometimes, and, and I've been asked this many times in, in teaching our greeters and so forth, uh, they will ask, you know, uh, oh, you know, if uh, I'm, I'm afraid to talk to somebody because I, I get so embarrassed if they're not a first-time guest, you know, and, oh, they've been here before, and they say, well, I've been here before, you know. So I put a little script together that makes that a little easier. It says, if you are uncertain if they have been with us before, then, and this shouldn't be offensive to anybody. Say, if you're not quite sure, you look and say, hi, hi, welcome. You look familiar. Have, I, have you been with us before? Or are you telling them you look familiar? I know I've seen you before. Have you been with us before? If they say no, proceed as with the original script. If they say yes, I thought so. I'm so sorry. I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet. I'm art. Right? What is the big deal then? Okay. I thought so. Go back to the same thing. It's so nice to finally meet you. How long have you been attending? And they may say, this is my second visit. And you haven't recognized, whatever. And they may say, I've been coming for three months, you know. Whatever it is. Would you take just a minute to be sure that we have your information correct in our database? Since you've been attending here, you know we're a very active church. And we want to be sure to keep everyone informed of upcoming events. At this point, you bring them to the reception desk. Introduce them. Or sit with them a few minutes to get the basic information for the database, okay? So it's just a, a very easy workaround to avoid an awkward situation if there's any uncertainty there. All right. Let me hit the ushers quickly. A lot of the points <clears throat> for uh, greeters and hostesses are the same really for ushers as far as the, um, and I'm not going to go over all this ushers, but just please read it. But just a few things. Ushers are spiritual ambassadors for the church. You serve as rep first representatives of Jesus Christ for a worship service. Your spiritual readiness and active service plays a huge role in the life changing that takes place that day. There are three critical gateways to worship for people. <clears throat> one is the parking lot attendance if you have them. Ushers is the second one. And then hostesses and greeters. They should meet an usher. They may meet a parking lot attendant first. But as far as the building, the first person they should meet is an usher. Is an usher opening that front door. Nobody should open their own door coming into church. Saint or guest. The usher should be there opening that door just like a fine hotel. Right? Distractions can kill the spirit of service. This is for ushers to be aware. Things like small children, cell phones, leaving and entering the sanctuary, 
There's the things you need to be aware of and how you handle these things as they, as they happen. Disorganization itself can also be a great, a great hindrance. Here's the points of a good usher, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And I won't go through all that right now, but it would be good to read that because a good usher in some way is going to have all of these qualities, at least while they're ushering. <laughs> I don't care what you do at home, but while you're ushering. <laughs> while you're ushering. Okay. <laughs> all right. Some qualifications for a good usher. You understand, I'm on, I'm, on the, I'm on the second page now, you understand the vital role of the usher ministry. You care about people. You possess a servant heart. <clears throat> you are committed to the vision of heritage. You are supportive of the leadership of heritage. Here are some of your core tasks. In each of these areas, you should receive some practical hands-on training. Helping people find a seat. Now, again, this is up to Brother Hardy, how you want to break this out between the role of what the greeters do versus the old of role of what the ushers do. At FAC, our greeters, our hostesses, seat people. But in some churches, the ushers seat people. When I was in the church in South Florida, our ushers did the seating. Okay? So that's up to you. Either way, as long as they know what their role, that what their role is. Okay? So if that's the case, that the ushers here, and it also depends on how many ushers you have versus how many greeters you have. Okay? So it, it, it just depends on your, on, on your layout. So in helping people find a seat, whoever's doing it, just some things here. This seems obvious, but there is an art to it. The art is all about making people, especially new people, <clears throat> and people far from God, feel comfortable in an auditorium of whatever number of seats. You've got 400 available seats in here. People feel exposed because everyone can see them. Their insecurities can rise and their feelings of self-consciousness prevent them from connecting with God. Imagine what it feels like to walk into an unfamiliar restaurant or other environment and not know what to do. Do I seat myself? Do I wait to be seated? Who do I talk to if I have a question? You know, all these things come to mind. So your job, did you say something? Oh, okay. Your job is to move toward and engage people quickly with confidence to help them know what to do. Don't leave people hanging. Let them know that you can handle anything they need and that you're the one that can make this a smooth and enjoyable experience. That's the job of a good usher. Now we know that one person can handle, uh, one, no one person can handle everything, but there is always someone to help you with a really tough situation. So, all right, and there's some other examples uh, some other examples there. But the bottom line, treat them like you would want to be treated if you were going to a new place. Another role for the usher, I assume we do here, is collecting the offering, correct? Right. So on a divide level, the offering is part of the worship. It is the opportunity for <clears throat> heritage folks, heritage wor worshipers, to express their love, trust, and obedience toward God. On a practical level, the financial needs of a large church are significant. You're smooth and coordinated execution of an offering can and does impact the resources that fund the kingdom. On a security level, this is one of the most detailed functions of an usher. You should be trained in the actual 
physical process for receiving an offering in a live session. Now really, where to me, in, in many churches, where ushers are the most exposed, where they, where, they, where they most stand out, and people always have their eyes on them, is, I don't, again, do you call your ushers forward to take the, all right. So there, there, there you are. So how you are dressed, everything from how you stand, your, your bearing, right? How coordinated and how efficiently you go about distributing the offering basket or plate, whatever it is. You know, all those things you want to work on and make it look like, wow, this is organized. This is a, this is a well-run machine here. You understand? Everything from the greeters to what you do. It's, it, it, I know we can look at it and say, oh, what? I'm standing here. I'm handing out an offering basket. What's the big deal, Brother Art? You know, it's, it's not that. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's a part of the worship service. It's a part of the worship service that people are coming and they're giving their offering to the Lord. And we want to make it a beautiful thing, a systematic thing, right? Representing the kingdom of God with great, great honor, right? Amen. It's a big deal. And there's other points there that may or may not, may or may not relate. And then I've got on the back the same thing here. Just a couple of things to, to, uh, to be aware of that are very similar to the, uh, to the hostesses, but there's a couple extra needs. One of the things that's also important on the usher side here is always anticipate the pastor's needs, especially the head usher should always be looking to the pulpit to anticipate the need. Did they run out of water, right? Uh, do, do they need something up there? Do they need to bring some copy? Did they run short of copies for something that they're handing out? The head usher needs to be the one that is attuned to the men of God. Whoever's on that pulpit need to be attuned to them, to be aware of their needs, know them, and be ready to quickly and efficiently meet those needs. All right. And a good usher I ended up with, a good usher is always aware of what is going on in the sanctuary. You're there in very much of, of a guardian role, a guardian role, eyeing the situation, making sure things are okay, things are going well. There's your role, part of your role. Very important, very important. All right, any questions? Uh, for the usher, uh, yeah, there's, you should just have the, you should just, yours is just the one, the one paper there. I mean, I can give you all my notes if you want, but it was just the, uh, no, you should, uh, let me see here. What did, I'm trying to see what I gave you now. Yeah, you should just have that part at the end there with the ushers. I'll give you the rest of mine. Yeah, I'll give you the rest of mine. Yeah, 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 I'll give you the rest of mine, yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll be sure to get the copy of that to you, brother. Okay, yeah. Well, we try to get, we first of all try to get all the parents, because, you know, we have nursery right on, right on up. We try to get them to, uh, you know, to um, bring, bring them into there. We, we fortunately don't have that problem much, but it does occasionally come up. And so we would normally, what would happen if it gets real, you know, uh, it, uh, uh, dist uh, distracting, uh, and a, uh, one of our greeters 
or an usher will, will come and offer to, to, to help them to go to the nursery with that or, you know, that's basically the way it happens. But it's just, we, it's not even like a big problem at FAC. I rarely, rarely hear that happen. Most of the time, if you hear it begin, that mother will get up knowing it just doesn't go on there and, and take that child out, you know. For those that don't want to leave their child, you know, their child is quite, is, is special, so they can't go in the nursery. Theirs is special, you know. So, um, saying that facetiously, sarcastically, but we're not in a home Bible study, so I can do that. So, um, you, you understand what I'm saying? Most of the time, the mother's going to know, okay, hey, this is distracting. But if it gets beyond that, then yeah, somebody will make a move toward that and kind of ask them if they can take the child, can we, can we take you to the nursery, that kind of thing, you know. Right. So do you guys, do you guys with your guests, do you meet with them? Do you have like an after service guest reception? So how do you, how do you recoup the guests that are there? So they're, they're around, you don't have a name from them yet or anything? Right. Right. Well, I mean, again, it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to dictate how you should be done. It should be done at some point. Some do it <clears throat> at the end, but typically at the end, those that do it at the end would have a guest reception of some kind of real simple guest reception with some, you know, light drinks, cookies or finger food, something like that real quick. Take them into a, a you know, a guest reception area. We did that for a while. It was working well. They stopped, they stopped doing it. I'm not quite sure why, but but it was working very, very well. And I liked it because what it does, it gives you, now, now they've been through service and a lot of the walls are down. And so the leadership is in there, different, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I might not be able to talk anymore. <coughs> The leadership is in there <clears throat> and department heads and they're able to get a lot more information from them at that point you know like a secondary level of information but <clears throat> I don't like guests to walk in without having some communication some introduction knowing who's there with us kind of thing you know so we we try to do what we can on the front line with basic information and giving them a gift at that time <clears throat> our gift isn't a big gift that's cumbersome to carry or anything like that, you know, so. so it just depends on how you want to do it, you know, and you can do, get a little information up front <clears throat> and then still be able to mention to them, hey, if you're a guest, we have a, we have a gift for you, please stop by the reception area. Uh, does that normally capture all your guests or they all usually come by for that? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so. To be able to get some information because part of what they're getting with the gift <clears throat> is also some material on the church, you know, some information, you know. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I prefer it up front, personally. I like it up front. 
and then to be able to have a secondary shot at it in, you know, afterwards. You know. <clears throat> Churches I've recognized, though, that I've been traveling to, like, for example, uh, Jonathan Vasquez, for example, his church, um, they, they do some things totally differently. They, um, uh, they, ha they invite all the guests after the morning service <clears throat> to lunch. They feed them all lunch afterwards. So they catch a lot of the guests that way because people like that, you know, just, just to eat, which I don't know if anybody else that does that, but I mean, he does that, does that very successfully. And then <clears throat> he gets up and he, or someone will get up and kind of already be introducing them to like the next step kind of thing, which is that's a, that part of it is very, very good. And he's been very successful with that, already introducing them to the next step. Here's what we, you know, we'd like you to, the next step we'd like you to take, you know. There's just there's different ways of going about it. You know, I'm just teaching kind of general, uh, general idea right now. The main thing that I'm trying to get across, <clears throat> however, you work out the details for what works for you here right now, and those will change as you grow. You'll see. Believe me, it'll change as you grow. You know, it gets more 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 demanding. But the thing is to go overboard, lavishing love and attention on the guests overboard okay to where it's undeniable to them man they're welcome they're appreciated they're recognized you know and you know ev everything we can possibly do that that spirit that they feel when they walk in that spirit they feel you know that did I answer that right yeah, okay any other any other questions <clears throat> That's it.